Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank you oh so much for the many things you've blessed us with throughout our whole day and now the wondrous opportunity to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that to understand it, apply it in the right way, draw close to you, build our faith and trust in you and in your word. We pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study from A to Z and the word of hell, we're turn to Ezekiel in chapter 31. We see here a message given to Ezekiel to present to the Pharaoh. And we get right into it. It reads, And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the third month, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The Son of Man speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, whom art thou like in thy greatness? Behold, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon with fair branches and with a shadowing shroud and of an high statue, and his top was among the thick boughs. The waters made him great, the deep set him up on high with her rivers running round about his plants and his sent out her little rivers unto all the trees of the field. Therefore his height was exalted above all the trees of the field, and his boughs were multiplied, and his branches became long because of the multitude of waters when he shot forth. All the fowls of heaven made their nests in his boughs, and under his branches did all the beasts of the field bring forth their young, and under his shadow dwelt all great nations. Thus was he fair in his greatness and the length of his branches, for his root was by great waters. The cedars in the garden of God could not hide him. The fir trees were not like his boughs, and the chestnut trees were not like his branches, nor any tree in the garden of God was likened to him in his beauty." I have made him fair by the multitude of his branches, so that all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. Given this message to Pharaoh about how he was blessed, how Assyrian, the Assyrian, as he's speaking of here, was blessed. As it continues in verse 10, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast lifted up thyself in height, and he hath shut up his top among the thick boughs, and his heart is lifted up in his height. This is talking about the pride that can come upon someone when they are blessed. And they think those blessings come by their own means rather than giving God the glory, giving God the thanks. We can go back and see Nebuchadnezzar, how he lifted himself up and exalted himself amongst others. And then he was brought down to where he was pretty much gone mad and was eating grass in the field and living out by himself and a crazy man until the Lord brought him back. But he humbled him through that experience. And now this warning is going to Pharaoh, giving these comparisons to these blessings, and then Pharaoh being all puffed up with his arrogance. 
And in verse 11, I have therefore delivered him into the hand of the mighty, one of the heathen. He shall surely deal with him. I have driven him out for his wickedness. And strangers, the terrible of the nations, have cut him off and have left him. Upon the mountains and in all the valleys his branches are fallen, and his boughs are broken by all the rivers of the land, and all the people of the earth are gone down from his shadow and have left him. Upon his ruin shall all the fowls of the heaven remain, and all the beasts of the field shall be upon his branches, to the end that none of all the trees by the waters exalt themselves for their height, neither shoot up their top among the thick boughs. Neither their trees stand up in their height, all that drink water, for they are all delivered unto death to the nether parts of the earth in the midst of the children of men with them that go down to the pit. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day when he went down to the grave, I caused him mourning. I covered the deep for him, and I restrained the floods thereof, and the great waters were stayed. And I caused Lebanon to mourn for him, and all the trees of the field fainted for him. Going back, given the comparison relating to the king of Assyria and the things that he went through, the pride and arrogance and the judgment to come upon him. And this warning is still going to Pharaoh because of his pride and arrogance as well. As it continues, I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall when I cast him down to hell with them that descend into the pit and all the trees of Eden, the choice and the best of Lebanon, all that drank water shall be comforted in the nether parts of the earth. Like him and his followers were cast down. Trying to give Pharaoh this lesson. Trying to give this message to Pharaoh. Don't do like the king of Assyria did. And wind up with this judgment coming upon you. Being cast to hell. They also went down into hell with him. Unto them that he be slain with the sword. And they that were his arm. That dwelt under his shadow in the midst of of the heathen talking about his followers as well judgment coming upon him and his followers being cast into hell to whom art thou thus like in glory in greatness among the trees of eden yet shalt thou be brought down with the trees of eden now this message in 18 is going directly to pharaoh giving him the comparison going back to the king of assyria and now the warning going to pharaoh don't wind up like this other fellow. To whom art thou thus like in glory and in greatness among the trees of Eden? Yet shalt thou be brought down with the trees of Eden unto the nether parts of the earth. Thou shalt lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with them that be slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and all his multitude, saith the Lord God. That message going to Pharaoh. We can learn from the things that happened to the people recorded in the Word of God. We can learn from the blessings that they receive as well as the judgment that they receive. And don't get all puffed up in arrogance and pride and wind up being judged because you do not give the Lord glory and honor for the things He's blessed you with. Don't take credit for it for yourself. And go, look what I am. Look what I have done. Look what I have achieved. 
I am so great, a self-made man, I've heard some people say. Nope, you got to give God all the glory, all the honor, all the thanks, because we couldn't even take a single breath without His blessing, without His grace that is upon us. All of existence is held into existence by His Word and by His grace and His mercy. So let's always be thankful for everything that He gives us. All right, that concludes the reference to hell in the Old Testament that we'll be covering at this time. And we get into the New Testament where we see the word Hades and other words that are translated into the word hell. And we'll pick it up first here in Matthew chapter 5 where the Lord's delivering some words of encouragement as well as some words of warning to a multitude of people that have come to listen to him. And in chapter 5 in verse 21 it reads, these are the words of the Lord to the multitudes. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. It's quite a warning that if you judge someone in a way that you are condemning them, that's the lesson as we go back through and see many more examples of how the Lord teaches us about judgment. He teaches us to evaluate someone to determine whether they are righteous or unrighteous so we know how to interact with them. And he warns us not to judge someone in a way of condemning them. And that's what he's getting at when he talks about thou fool. He's talking about how if you condemn someone by giving some other examples throughout the scriptures, you can see the reference of being that kind of condemning judgment is what he's teaching about here. And we should never condemn someone. You can judge them in a way of an evaluation of to determine whether they are lost or saved so you know how to interact with them and how to help them or to avoid them. And be very careful when it comes to trying to say that you can determine whether someone is condemned to hell or not. Like we speak of about the reprobate mind that could fall into this as well. If you call someone reprobate, then you have erred in your use of the term or judgment because you cannot determine if someone's reprobate. That's only for the Lord to determine. Can we look at folks and ponder, well, they must be reprobate in ourselves. We might be thinking that, but never proclaim that, oh, that's a reprobate because then you have done what he's talking about here. And then you shall be in danger of hellfire. You should be in danger because that 
is not your place to be the condemning judge. That is only for the Lord to do, not for us. All right, now jump on over to verse 27. It reads, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that thou that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now, he's not literally telling us to maim ourselves to inflict such physical torture, you might say, affliction upon ourselves, but to remove that temptation, as he continues. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So if there be something in your life, if there be anything that you are doing or viewing or participating in that draws you away from the Lord, that is what you need to cut off. Remove that from you completely. Whatever that temptation might be, cut it off, send it away. Don't be a part of it anymore. And that's what he's speaking of here. If it's something that you see, that you're looking at, that causes you to be tempted and you start having lustful desires and evil thoughts in your mind, and then you put those into play, then you're in danger of hell. So you need to cut that off. Remove that from you. Whatever those temptations are out there, remove it from your life. Whatever it is that takes you away from serving the Lord, cut it off and remove it from your life. All right, chapter 10, in Matthew chapter 10, let's pick it up here in verse 24. It reads, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household. Now this Elzebub is basically trying to call someone Satan or one of Satan's associates. Fear them not therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. It's all going to come out. All those false accusations against you are going to come out. Everything is going to be revealed. What I tell you in darkness that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. We should not be afraid of the persecution out there in the world, on the increase in this world, and definitely in this country. And we got to keep doing the work. Shine the light. Share the love. In verse 28, he points out here who you really need to be afraid of. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. As when we're out there doing the work of the Lord, we don't have to fear death. If it's our time to go, then we're going. 
by whatever means. And like we spoke of earlier in Sunday school and in the worship service, absent from the body, be present with the Lord. Death to a Christian is actually a promotion. So we don't have to worry about leaving this world. When we leave this world, we move on to the next phase. Simple as that. But we need to make sure that we are found without spot and blameless come judgment day. Because as we read earlier, everyone's going to be judged. Whether it was good or bad, it's all going to be looked at. So get it taken care of, get it washed away. So that you only are rewarded for the good, not condemned for the bad. Read verse 28 again. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And that's the Lord. We need to fear the Lord. Plain and simple. And that is a twofold fear. The fear in the form of reverence and fear in the knowledge of accountability. He is going to judge all of us. He is going to look at everything that we have done and judge us for what we have done, whether it be good or bad. And we got to know that that's what's coming for the Christians, that we will all be judged. We will all have to give account for what we have done in our lives. We got to get it taken care of. We got to be justified by trusting in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and getting everything washed away, all the sins washed away. So when it comes judgment day, the only thing that is left is the good that you have done. So we need to constantly be in prayer and constantly asking the Lord to guide us, to direct our paths. But we know that as it says back over there in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The judgment seat of Christ, the place where all the Christians will be judged up to the point of this judgment and all of it be looked at. So the judgment seat of Christ, as we spoke of earlier, the next major prophetic event to occur is the rapture of the church, and immediately after the rapture becomes this judgment, the judgment seat of Christ for all those born-again Christians. Now, there'll be a great white throne judgment that comes along at the end of the tribulation time where everybody else in existence will be able to have their judgment. All the lost of all time and those that got saved during the tribulation time or were saved during the millennial period. And those that were saved, it went over into the millennial period. So all those others will have to have their time of judgment, which will be the judgment seat of known as the great white throne judgment. But the first judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. And that's the judgment that we, in this time period, need to be looking forward to. Eagerly awaiting and looking forward to that judgment, not dreading it. Fear, yes. Fear the accountability. Fear that judgment. But be looking forward to it with the confidence because you have trusted in Jesus Christ and you have gotten it taken care of. You have gotten it washed in the blood. 
He tells us to come to him, ask for forgiveness, and he is our great high priest. He's right up there on the right hand of the Father. Come to Jesus Christ, ask for forgiveness, and he'll wash us clean and keep us clean. And then stay out of the mud. Don't get dirty again. And then we'll hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. All right, now go on over to Matthew and chapter 11. Pick it up in verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein much of his mighty works were done because they repented not, upbraid or criticize, pointing out the error of their way. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. This gives us an indication that judgment is going to be very complex because everything is going to be considered. How much you were revealed to will be considered in your judgment. How much the Lord had blessed you with, how much you had been revealed of the the gospel, of the word of truth, and how much you had witnessed personally. All that's going to be taken into consideration come judgment day. They were exposed to a lot. They should have responded to it. Verse 23, And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Saddam, it should have remained unto this day. Sodom talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Once again, emphasizing the difference between the ones that have been given a lot and the ones that were only given a little. The more you're given, the more you're expected to respond to that. And that falls true for everything. All the many things that he blesses us with, we need to use properly. We are going to be held accountable for everything that we've been given, everything that we've been exposed to. For the more that you're exposed to, the more you are accountable to. Simple as that. All right, now if you will turn on over to Matthew in chapter 13. And pick it up here. Some further teaching directly from the Lord about hell and the furnace of hell. In Matthew chapter 13, picking it up in verse 37. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Now he's explaining them the parable that he had just told to a group. And now he's explaining them that parable to the disciples. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. 
The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. A literal place of torment. A lake of fire. As it continues, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Listen up. It's being given to us. Pay attention. Look around. See the signs of the times. No, there can't be much longer till these judgments fall upon the planet. All right, jump on down to verse 47 now. It reads, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Now, always, you got to look, when you see, see the word kingdom, what is he speaking of? Here, the kingdom of heaven is talking about judgment day, gathering everybody together, the born again, the lost, everybody being gathered together. He's again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, every kind being all man, woman, children of all nations, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad out. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, the wicked being taken out and cast into that furnace of fire, cast into hell, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth, a literal place of torture because of what they have done, because of the evil that is within them, because of them denying God, refusing to submit to God, refusing to accept the free gift of salvation that's being held out and those being beckoned to come in and receive that. They turn that down. They receive. They refuse that. Therefore, they will receive the punishment and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth in that furnace of fire. Now we know at the last days that hell itself, which is what he's speaking of here, will be cast into the lake of fire. So there is so much more ahead of us in the fulfilled prophecies and the judgments, the things that are going to come upon this planet that is going to judge all mankind, the various judgments like we spoke of, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. But ultimately, there's going to be two different outcomes. You're either going to spend eternity in the lake of fire, which is hell, or you're going to spend eternity with the Lord and a great, big, beautiful, brand new earth, a new heaven, new earth. So we have a choice. Receive Jesus Christ and spend eternity with Him, or deny Jesus Christ and wind up in the lake of fire for eternity, where death and hell will be cast right into that lake of fire. So we will continue our studies as we go further through Matthew. Matthew speaks more about and uses the word hell than any of the other Gospels. But it's speaking of the place of torment. 
So we'll get back into this further into the Gospel of Matthew next time, but let's close. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you oh so much for the many things we can learn when we dig down in there and, and do a little studying. Help us always stay hungry to do that very thing, to dig deep into there so we can know exactly what you want us to know and encourage us to go out and share that with others out there as well. We look around, we see the signs of the times. We know it can't be much longer until your judgments start to fall upon this planet. Help us all be ready to get on out there and have the boldness to share the gospel while we can so that more can come in to accept you and become part of the family before it's everlasting too late. We thank you oh so much for allowing us to be a part of your work as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.